AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Soybean demand is getting a shot in the arm from Chinese purchases. But you sure couldn't tell it from the way that the market is performing. We'll learn about how military veterans are making a difference for the biofuels industry and hop on the College Roadshow. Time for a stop at ACES at the University of Illinois. Live from Illinois, sort of, via Farm Journal broadcast, <laughs> this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Jeff Cooper from the Renewable Fuels Association. And then it's Herman Bolero of the U of Illinois. Directly following the news, Greg Henderson from Drovers. I'm Handsome Newsman Davis Michelson. Now, your beloved sojourning host, Jeff Laurie. <laughs> All right, Davis. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah, we're back in the bunker yesterday. Uh-huh. Yesterday morning, we were watching ocean-going vessels on the Mississippi River at the port of South Louisiana. And uh, this morning I'm looking out the uh, looking out the window at, at, at my backyard. It's uh-huh. just crazy, just crazy. It was a long long day of travel for Big Apple Joe Stackler and myself, but mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. are back where we should be and uh, ready to ready to go, fired up for it. What an experience yesterday seeing that massive massive operation down there mm. in louisiana we'll be talking mm-hmm. more about that as time goes on uh, when you were for- down there mm-hmm. as you're watching the uh the activity go on there were you, were you thinking inside of your head sitting in the morning sun i'll okay. be sitting when the soybeans come <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah i'll admit yeah that did enter my mind a couple Just of times a little just a little i'd Just expect little. no less fantastic <laughs> we've got reports coming up today too yeah we do uh so we've got some position evening coming uh happening in the markets today we'll find out from brian grady who you had on the show yesterday yep uh no tuesday excuse me who you had on the show tuesday was it tuesday to get ready that's for... right because you were on yesterday yeah yeah that's right uh Oof. <laughs> it's all blending together now, isn't it? It really but is. But we, uh, we'll do a little bit of a recap of those expectations at the end of the show today. You bet. All right, let's get to it. What do you got? Well, Chip, I've got some daily sales here. I've got Jeez. 1.04, uh, we'll call it, million metric tons of beans for delivery to China during the 23-24 marketing year and 663,000 metric tons of beans for delivery to some unknown destination yeah. during the 23-24 marketing year. Those are daily export mm-hmm. sales announcements. That's we right. had the weekly export sales report out this morning. And the weekly export sales report, let's see, I can get that real quick. This is for the week ended November 2nd. Soybean sales were kind of mediocre at 1.08 million metric tons. So mm-hmm. this total here is 1.6, and it's probably all going to China. Well, there's kind of a lot to chew on here. Let's start here. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is expected to file cloture on a short-term continuing resolution to keep federal agencies open past the November 17 deadline. While no definite CR end date has been confirmed, sources signal it will likely extend into mid-December. 
Now, Speaker Mike Johnson has not revealed his plan, but talks continue about a laddered continuing resolution, uh, resolution approach where some spending bills would expire in December, others in January, maybe February. President Joe Biden and administration officials are issuing veto threats over any bill that does not adhere to the Fiscal Responsibility Act. And I've got just a little bit on the farm bill, too, Chip. Do yeah. you want to take a small bite first? Yeah, I do. Keep it simple, people. Yeah. Pass the appropriations bills. G.T. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thompson said a new farm bill will not come before the full House until January, quote, ah. at the earliest, citing delays in getting scoring on proposals, in technical responses from USDA, and from a lack of agreement on key issues. Thompson also pointed out the House is only scheduled to be in session two weeks in December as another factor. Yeah. We talked about this quite some time ago. Uh, Wiesmeyer brought it up. Pro-Farmer Policy Analyst Jim Wiesmeyer brought it up. There is a new director at the Congressional Budget Office that is responsible for scoring, putting a price tag on these different proposals. And they're just, they just don't have the urgency Hmm. that Chairman Thompson needs to get these things moving forward. There is a huge level of frustration over this. Yes. Well, in other news, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is scheduled to engage in two days of discussions with China's deputy prime minister responsible for economic policy. These talks are expected to pave the way for a rare meeting between President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping, perhaps next week. U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai will travel to Indianapolis, Indiana, as part of the Biden-Harris administration's Investing in Rural America tour. Tai will visit Indiana this Friday to say... Administration's public policies have lowered trade barriers abroad for American ag products and increased access for farmers and producers in global markets. She's going to say that, apparently, Chip. Yeah, apparently. It'll be, uh, I mean, they're starting. They're starting to roll the the, um, uh, cabinet positions and and other age administration officials out in campaign speeches. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Chip, due to an unexpected nationwide shortage of paper milk cartons, many school food authorities are unable to obtain milk in half pints for their school meals programs. Although schools are still expected to meet the fluid milk requirements to the greatest extent possible, supply chain disruptions, including disruptions that limit milk variety or affect serving size, are considered a temporary emergency condition. Chip, we'll keep an eye on this, but a shortage of paper milk cartons here. Yeah, that's strange. I mean, we're having a hard enough time keeping flavored milk, chocolate, strawberry milk in the in the schools, and even just whole milk. Just milk, in the yeah, whole milk, yeah. Right. Yep. So indeed. All right, thanks, buddy. Let's bring you in bet. Greg Henderson, editorial director at at Drovers. How you doing, Greg? Good morning, Chip. I'm doing well, thank you. Well, you're doing better than what the live cattle and the feeder cattle markets are doing here recently. <laughs> what's your yes. What's your take? been quite a hangover chip since that cattle on feed report three weeks ago and uh analysts are telling us uh, we, we may see another cattle on feed report uh, projected so show placements uh up nine percent so what is that all of that done obviously it hit the futures market pretty hard uh it it, it uh is it, showing us that they're the feeder cattle were being placed on feed, and so the number was not as tight as maybe they thought. Now we've got feeder cattle running at least ten dollars a hundredweight 
lower than they were a month ago, Chip. And that's probably going to continue for a while, especially if that November or that, that October cattle on feed report published in two weeks shows us that number is uh, of placement numbers up again. They're talking about 9%, which would be yeah. used. Now, that is compared to a year ago, which those numbers were low. But if we keep placing the heifers at 40% rate, um, that's going to be pressure on feeder cattle. It, well, and with those heifers that were, that, that were putting in the feedlot, we're so, certainly pushing out the uh, growth in the, in the beef herd that much further down the line, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, you know, we talked in Olivka this week and, yeah. you know, we're talking about late 24, even if we can, we've got to have rain. We've got to see some change in the, in the pasture and range conditions before that happens. This is a strange cycle that we're in here, Greg. We're going to, you and I are going to have to have a full segment conversation about what's going on here uh, before too long. Thanks buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Chip. You bet. That is Greg Henderson, Editorial Director at Drovers. Coming up next, conversation with Jeff Cooper, President, CEO, Renewable Fuels Association. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Agritalk is brought to you by Bex. Bex Hybrids is with you every turn because both on and off the field, we're all farmers at heart. See why at BexHybrids.com. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us here this morning. Uh, Davis, Saturday is Veterans Day. um, And Mm -hmm. we we do our best here on AgriTalk to recognize what members of the military have done for us every day. Uh, but Veterans Day is the one day that we set aside for an official acknowledgement a day for all Americans to say thank you to our veterans for what they have done to preserve the freedoms that we enjoy in America. Uh, this Saturday is Veterans Day 2023. And we're going to get things started by welcoming in Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, welcome back to AgriTalk and... Thank you for your service, sir. Well, thank you very much, Chip. I appreciate that, and and thanks for having me this morning. You bet. You bet. Let's start with that. Tell us about your service. Uh, yeah, I was actually a, a captain in the Army uh, for, for several years right out of college, um, and I specialized, or our unit specialized in bulk petroleum, 
supply and logistics. Uh, and so really, you know, our, our company's job, our battalion's job was uh, essentially refueling tanks and helicopters and, and moving fuel anywhere on the battlefield that it was needed. So yeah. um, that's, that's sort of how I got my start right out of college uh, and, and left the Army and ended up at the National Corn Growers and then later uh, to the RFA. And so here I am right. uh, 20 years or so later after leaving the Army. Yeah, yeah. So how has that all influenced how you operate as president and CEO of the RFA? Well, I, I tell you, Chip, it, the, the, this conversation is very timely because just today we announced the launch of a new group that we're calling Veterans for Renewable Fuels. Yep. Uh, and really the purpose of that initiative is to recognize and, and really celebrate the contributions of military veterans in the industry. And there's a lot of them. Uh, according to the Department of Energy, one out of every six workers in the ethanol industry is a veteran. And that's about three times the rate of the national labor force. And, and so when we saw that report from DOE, we, you know, it's, that, that's a, that's a lot. And so yeah. we started yeah. sort of looking into why that is. And as we've talked to veterans in the industry um, and including my own experience, I, I think what, what we're finding is when people are leaving military service mm -hmm. and looking for a new job, searching for employment, they want to, they want more than a paycheck. They, they're looking for a sense of purpose they're looking for work that is rewarding. They're looking for work that's going to allow them to continue uh, really pursuing uh, the values that they learned in, in the military. And, and the ethanol industry has been a perfect fit uh, yeah. for thousands of veterans for those very reasons. Yeah. Well, and it fits with their personal missions in a lot of way when it comes to protecting the security and providing security yeah. for this nation. That, that's absolutely right. And, and when I ask you know, some of our members who are veterans themselves, what, how did you end up in, in the ethanol industry? That's, that's the answer you get a lot of times is yeah. look, this, this is an industry that allows us to continue honoring our commitment to making America safer, more secure, more independent, um, and, and helping to protect our neighbors by, by, you know, producing more domestic fuel, reducing our dependence on foreign energy. Uh, it really does allow us veterans to continue pursuing uh values and and things that were important to us and, and re fr frankly reasons why we joined the military in the first place yeah yeah absolutely um tell us about the letter that was sent to president biden yeah so today in conjunction with the launch of our, our veterans for renewable fuels group uh there was a letter that was sent to president joe biden uh, and it really it served several purposes. Uh, you know, first of all, it was to really thank him for his commitment to increasing the production and use of domestic energy and, and specifically renewable energy. Uh, but really, we wanted to call attention and, and highlight the role that veterans play in our industry and, and call on his administration to more fully embrace the national security benefits mm -hmm. of homegrown renewable fuels like ethanol. Um, yes, this administration has done a lot to advance the cause for renewable fuels, but boy, there's a lot more that we could be doing. Um, and, and I think, you know, sometimes this administration seems to be distracted by electrification. And, you know, one of the things we want to do is point out the national security, energy security risks of a headlong rush into electric vehicles, because the minerals that go in those batteries 
uh, don't come from the U.S. They don't come from North America. They come from places like Russia, China, the Congo, other places that don't necessarily share our, our values and interests. Uh, so one of the things we want to do is, is again, continually uh, raise the issue of the importance of energy security. Energy security is national security, period. Um, and, and really, that was the purpose of the letter this morning to, to the That's president. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, was it the 2008 Farm Bill, Jeff? And boy, I'm I'm playing strictly off of memory here. I didn't go back and look it up, but energy independence and energy security made it into the title of one of the farm bills, and I believe it was the 2008 bill. Uh, it really drove it home yeah, for a lot of people that, what we what what the ethanol and biofuels industry is trying to accomplish. Yeah, that, that's right. In, in 2007, there was the Energy Independence and Security Act, okay. and that was that was the bill that expanded and extended the renewable fuel standard. That's of it. course, that yes. was at a time when 60%, 60% of the crude oil that we were using in this country was being imported. Right. Uh, we have made great strides since then. We are a more energy secure nation today. We are more energy independent. We're not quite there yet. But we've made great progress, uh, due in large part to programs like the Renewable Fuel Standard, and and the the emergence of renewable fuels like ethanol. Right, and that's that crude oil, that sixty percent of the crude that we were using that was being imported was being imported from countries that wanted nothing but bad things for the United States and the people. You got it. You got it. A lot of it was coming from OPEC, right? I mean, a ton yep. of that crude oil was coming from OPEC. In fact, I think around 2005, 2006, uh, most of the oil we were importing was was coming from OPEC nations. Today, we've significantly reduced that. We are still importing a decent amount of crude oil, but about 15% of that today comes from those OPEC nations. So we are making progress. Again, that's yep. that's due in large part to, to renewable fuels and, and other domestic energy sources. Right, right. Uh, military veterans, well-represented in the Renewable Fuels Association. And tell us about the leadership right. for the Veterans for Renewable Fuels. Yeah, so our the vice chairman of the Renewable Fuels Association is a former U.S. Marine, a guy named Jeff Eastman, who is the CEO of an ethanol facility in Wisconsin. Uh, he is a co-chair of the Veterans for Renewable Fuels, along okay. with another one of our board members, a guy named T uh, Tony Lighting, who is president of Trenton Agri-Energy, an ethanol producer in Nebraska. Uh, Tony was a, a Black Hawk uh, helicopter pilot in the Army uh, for eight years and, and certainly had several combat deployments. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting as we kind of look around our, our boardroom table and, and uh, amongst right. our membership, that, that one in six number is, is proving pretty accurate. We've got... <laughs> Um, another few veterans on our staff here. I got a couple of Army vets uh, that, that, that work on the RFA staff. Uh, so there's a lot of us around, and, and I think this organization will really help uh, to formalize some of that network and provide us all an opportunity to get together and, and swap yeah. war stories. But beyond that, just uh, it gives us another you know, megaphone for advocacy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those, those on uh, it, Justin Schultz. Uh, Robert White, who we've yep. had on the show before, uh, a couple of other military veterans there at RFA and, and uh, uh, continuing their missions and promoting the, the energy security of, of the United States through the through the RFA. I think it's I think it's fantastic, man. And, and this new organization and 
and what you're doing to recognize the contribution of military veterans is um, it, it's necessary. Okay, it's necessary that we do that, uh, but it, it's also just really cool that that you put this together, Jeff. Well, it's it's been a, a rewarding experience, and again, I you know we want to do everything we can as an organization uh, yeah. to highlight the achievements and the contributions that veterans are making in our industry. Um, they really are the, the the backbone of you know you you look at disproportionately the the, the fact that so many veterans come from rural America and and small mm-hmm. town communities, mm-hmm. um, and, and really the ethanol industry has given them an opportunity to move back to those places. Yep. And, 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 you know, find good paying jobs and raise their families in the sort of environment that they're used to growing up in. And, and it's just been a, a good fit all around and, for and it, veterans. It, and, and we're just we're very proud to offer those opportunities. Yeah. And they're finding the support that so many of these veterans need when they get back into the workforce. You got it. You got it. Good stuff, Jeff. That's what it's all about. Really, really good stuff. Uh, appreciate all that effort. Again, thank you for your service. Thank you to uh, all the veterans out there for the service. We'll talk with you again soon, Jeff. Hey, thanks, Chip. Thanks for having me. You bet. Jeff Cooper, President and CEO, Renewable Fuels. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, awesome bean demand. Beans have tried to work off the lows, but it's kind of running into some some selling again what is going on yeah buy the rumor sell the fact chip yeah. uh you know the, it's been in the market that uh china and, and unknown destinations uh whether that's china or someone else or a combination uh has been actively buying u.s soybeans this week and and uh you know we, we've seen that play out in the daily sales big daily sales this morning to to both china and unknown uh big weekly sales and, and uh yet here we are trading a nickel plus lower in most of the contracts here at uh, mid-morning. So uh, nothing more than, than uh, buy the rumor, sell the fact, and, and we're waiting on USDA's report data uh, in about a half an hour here. Yeah, soybean oil being helped out by crude oil, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, outside yeah. markets are, are friendly today yeah. with crude oil uh, about a buck higher and, and uh, U.S. dollar about 100 points lower. But uh, um, soy oil is pretty much the only market that's being aided by that. Yeah, some positioning's got wheat 10 to 15 cents lower, corn trading 4 to 5 cents lower in most contracts. Take us over to that cattle trade. Boy, it's ugly again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just a technical breakdown. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's been volatile uh, the past several days here and, and uh, you know, down sharply, up pretty good, and then down sharply again and, and just, uh, you know, facing heavy selling pressure. Feeders are, are taking the brunt of it, but boy, live cattle are, are around $3 lower here at uh, mid-morning, so heavy selling there as well. And then in the hog market, uh, we're seeing some strength uh, December through April contracts, a little bit of weakness in some of the far deferred contracts, but uh, generally a firmer tone here at mid-morning. All right, Brian, thanks, buddy. Pro Farmer Editor, Brian Grady, Markets Now. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. 
It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Davis. I don't know who that was, but he sounds handsome as heck. Doesn't he, Chip? Doesn't he? Doesn't he? You bet. You know, it is time to go college road showing. Let's Can't do it. wait to do it. You bet. Farm Journal each fall features land-grant universities and the Farm Journal College Roadshow. Tyne Morgan, U.S. Farm Report, spearheads the effort. She's going to have coverage from Champaign-Urbana this week and the College of Agriculture, Consumer, and Environmental Sciences at the University of Illinois. Herman Bolero is the Dean of ACES. There at the University of Illinois, and he joins us right now. Dean Bolero, thank you so much for making time for us. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you very much for having me and looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. So tell me about the College of Agriculture, Consumer, Environmental Sciences. What makes you What makes you excited about the opportunities that – that you are bringing to students there at the University of Illinois? Uh, the, our College of Agricultural, Consumer, and Environmental Sciences here at Illinois often offers the opportunity to students really to uh, great careers in food and agriculture. It gets me excited. It's always about uh, the human aspect, right? I mean, got great students coming here. We got great faculty and staff. And that opens a lot of opportunities uh, for students to have a great education, but also um, a lot of experiential learning opportunities uh, to grow and be uh, in in the road to great careers in food and agriculture. Um, So we're very excited about the different um, majors that we have in the college to offer the students that will become uh, the workforce for agriculture in the future and will define what careers in agriculture will be in the next 25, 30 years. So that's what it gets us excited. We're always thinking ahead yeah. on uh, what uh, the next generation of students will be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's difficult to keep up in the current environment that we're in because private industry is pushing it on the technology side. And it's, I, I talked about this last week uh, as well, but a theme has developed in these conversations, Dean Bolero, uh, that uh, the the colleges of ag at the land grant universities are they're they're pushing faculty. They are pushing the coursework very aggressively to keep pace with what is happening technology wise 
in in the field that it, it it's 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 a challenge but it's got to be exciting as hack it's a, it's a, thank you for that question because that's that's absolutely exciting and that's what it, it really drives us every day so um when you look at our call just to be specific about it um mm-hmm. about 6 7 years ago uh we established a, a major standalone major that is called uh, computer science plus crop sciences. Uh, that is a combination of cool. of everything related to uh, the latest technologies in computer coding, data science, connected to the applications in in crop sciences in agronomy. Um, and that's something that you know that's the beauty of being in this campus, like the University of Illinois, in which we have a great College of Engineering, a great Department of Computer Sciences that has established this. Uh, majors, which is our combinations of computer science with a domain, in this case, agriculture. The, the computer science plus crop sciences degree is the first one in the country looking at those two things combined. So mm-hmm. uh, with that, I'm, I'm going to say it's just uh, the fact that we are thinking ahead of uh, what are going to be the needs of producers, the industry in the future, what kind of employees or what kind of yeah. workforce we need. So we're providing that education to our students, that along with uh, experiential learning of those students in companies yeah. that are, uh, com- you know, ahead in terms of digital technology. So, a couple of years ago, we also established the first computer science plus animal sciences degree, looking at so students can apply to those degree and really will have uh, a, a beautiful experience in terms of their education and uh, combining. Uh, animal science, all crop sciences with with computer science. You know? So we're very, very excited cool. about those things. That is very cool. Um, and that, yeah. And, and I tell you, that goes. Sorry to interrupt, but that goes along with the research going on at the University of Illinois. So we okay. we were able to attract the first artificial intelligence center in agriculture, funded jointly by NIFA and NSF, coming to the University of Illinois. That's a that's a combination of uh, engineering, uh, computer science, and agriculture, and the use of artificial intelligence into in, into agriculture. That uh, was a big, uh, I think it's, it's, it's a big uh, uh, yeah. move forward of this campus in terms of uh, we're committed to, again, what's the future brings to, to technology into agriculture. Yeah, yeah. The thing about AI, Dean Bolero, is if we don't figure out how we can make AI work for us, we're going to be working for AI in the future. And <laughs> I think I'd rather. I, I, I... <laughs> Go ahead. I, I love that comment. I absolutely love that comment because yesterday we were talking about with a group of colleagues and say if we don't embrace AI, AI is going to embrace us. <laughs> and I think that being ahead of those technologies, putting it to work for producers, yeah. Uh, and and generating again, as I think it's very important to to educate the next generation of of individuals that will be in charge of that technology, and that we're very committed to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing that you've mentioned uh, 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 more than than other deans of the ag colleges that I've talked to is preparing for that workforce. We've not talked a lot about placement percentages and so on with. Uh, uh, in these conversations, but I know across the board that there is still high demand 
for students that have been educated in the colleges of ag at these land-grant universities. And the same is true at the University of Illinois, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, quite honestly, that's what it keeps me up at night. I think that when we think about agriculture, we've been around for you know, 10,000 years. We want We will continue to be around. It's, it's, it's essential, right? We all love it, but it's essential. Everyone eats, everyone needs fuel. Um, but the thing is, what it keeps us at night is to say, how do we create uh, the workforce that will take uh, the job of how we're going to grow food in the future? I think that's something essential. And I think we need to embrace a lot of technology. We need to meet society where society is at. You know, we went from 150 years ago, mostly in Illinois, a rural society to now mostly an urban society, right? Yeah. So how are we going to... Um, uh, not only you know produce food, uh, but also how we are going to meet the demand of that uh, more urban society. How we're going to talk about agriculture and food to that urban society, and how we're going to yeah. uh, again educate um, uh, students that will take their jobs. There are plenty of jobs out there. Our students are all being hired. Uh, our students have internships every. Yeah. Every every um, uh, summer, so there there you know we we know that the jobs exist, but there is also a flip side of that question, which is how do we attract students that never thought of careers in agriculture, you know, to come into agriculture, because we do know that we can offer very exciting, very promising, uh, meaningful careers for those students. And I think uh, that is part of the equation when we think about developing that workforce, right? How do we bring the talent into, you know, uh, everything we do in food, food innovation, agriculture, natural resources uh, to, for students that never thought of careers in, in, in those areas? So uh, those, those are the things that we uh, brainstorm all the time here at the University of Illinois. Interesting. Interesting. You've mentioned um, the experiential uh, opportunities at the University of Illinois. Tell us, give us about a minute on that. I'm I'm interested in what opportunities are available. So uh, I think that uh, what we hear from a lot of uh, companies and recruiters, everything that technically we uh, we we really uh, do a good job with our students. So. Uh, and what we need to work more on is on the uh, soft side, on the uh, getting the students into the experiences that will put everything they learn into the real world, yeah. right? So uh, that experiential learning could be done in different ways, and we do it in different ways. And it not only affects undergraduate students, but also grad students. So you'll see a lot of our, our own grad students spending time in companies, specific projects, cool. guided is we want them not to just have simply, you know, an internship that gives them a check. That's good. Right. However, what we want is to have some sort of mentoring program within those companies, right? That that gets them ready on the soft side of their skills uh, to be part of the real world. So we do have a great office here in, in the college that really puts together. Uh, good plans for the students to do and companies and the private sector to do experiential learning. Some of those are also in, in research labs and students that are interested in that. Um, and get them ready, uh, like I, I said, uh, 
for the real world. So we're, yeah. uh, I think that's very important. We're also, just to give you 20 seconds of this, we're also bringing some of that experiential learning into our into our classroom. So gotcha. instead of just uh, counting on the companies to do that for us, but also bringing the companies into our classroom to yeah. help us with that development. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Dean Bolero, thank you so much for your time. Aces at the University of Illinois. Great program there. Good luck against Indiana this weekend, and uh, we will talk with you again soon. We need that game. <laughs> Good stuff. Thank you. All right, that is Herman Bellero, the Dean of Ag. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? Okay. Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody. <laughs> Davis Michelson here. Hey, um, yes. W- lots to talk to after today's program. We've got reports coming up. I want to get the details on those, but don't. I'm feeling a uh, a yields in the fields coming on. Do you oh, feel it? Yields in the yeah. fields on AgriTalk is brought yeah. to you by Microessentials, the super granule that packs balanced nutrition into a single granule for uniform nutrient distribution and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with the mighty micro from Mosaic. We are going to step a little bit outside of the traditional corn belt into the land okay. of Kentucky, Central Kentucky, Fayette County, a grower what a, reports this. Huh? I, I, uh, what a growing uh, season they've they've had over yes. had over there. Uh, uh, crazy. Well, just wait. It wasn't all gravy. They uh, this grower starts quote our corn was fabulous with yields in the two twenty five to two seventy three bushel per acre range. Wow. Soybeans below our average with yields in the low sixties. He says, quote, I have not touched double crop beans yet, but they will be a sore spot expecting yields in the low 20s. Um, double crop bean problems related perhaps to midseason problems in Kentucky, Chip? Well, once they got that crop off, the rains had basically already ended. Once they got the soft red winter wheat crop off, okay, and started planting the soybean crop, the rains had basically ended. Mm-hmm. So that bean crop was living and producing off of moisture that was in the ground only. I don't know if they really 
got what they would call a good rain after the bean crop came up or not. Mm-hmm. So It seems like it was raining just fine for a while there in Kentucky, oh, though. Am I remembering getting, that oh, wrong? Oh, yeah. Early in, early in yeah. the season, they were wet. There was flooding all over the place over there. And then it was too wet during the SRW harvest. Uh, but, boy, as soon as the harvest was done, so was the rain for a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, speaking of yields. Yes. We've got uh, USDA crop production reports coming here in about seven minutes. That we do. That we do. Yes. Uh, the average trade guess on the national average corn yield, 173.2 bushels per acre. NAS in October, the National Egg Statistics Service at USDA, was 173. So the average trade guess is up two-tenths of a bushel. The trade range is 172 up to 175.7. That would be a surprise to me. That's a little high. Yeah, what would not surprise me, what would not surprise me is if a uh, dip down to 172 happened. It wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me at all. Here's mm-hmm. here's my reasoning. Here's my reasoning. It the, the crop was off a bit from a year ago. And last year was 173.4. Now, the average trade guess 173.2. Okay, I get it. It's two-tenths of a bushel below that. But it's not that much below what it was a year ago. And I, I don't, I just don't think uh, that this corn crop, you know, I say that, but I saw some very nice people on my, uh, on my flight last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, th- I had two different yield reports uh, from Eastern Iowa. And they both basically said, I don't know where this corn yield came from. I don't know where this bean yield yeah. came from. Does that sound familiar to you, Davis? It sounds a little familiar. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So may, maybe a once, maybe something really close to what we had a year ago at 173.4. Maybe that does make sense. Now, on the soybeans, the average pre-report trade gas on the yield, 49.6 bushels per acre. The trade range, 49 to 50.3 bushels per acre. Uh, believe it or not, NAS in October was 49.6. NAS a year ago, 49.6. So we've kind of found a sweet spot there at 49.6 bushels per acre. If there now the average crop estimate for corn 15.079 billion bushels. Mm-hmm. The trade range 14.9 up to 15.3. 15.3 would be a negative number Davis. No question about it. Mm-hmm. Anything under 15 billion bushels, I think uh the the uh, uh, the uh, geez, the computers, <laughs> the computers would see something that start that does not start with a one and a five, and say mm-hmm. that's got to be bullish. So that okay. would probably trigger some some short covering in that corn market. I gotta believe on on soybeans, the average trade guess four point one zero three billion bushels on the bottom end, four point zero three seven billion. Up to the top end at 4.162 billion. Uh, NASA in October, 4.104 and 15.064 billion bushels. So they're coming right up here, man. And uh, this is the last crop production report that we will get this year. The next update that we get will come in the January annual production summary. Okay. What 
What'd you think of the conversation with Cooper? That was really interesting. Um, it, it's nice to, to dig into something like that with Cooper. You know, there's so many times we have him on and there's some atrocity being committed, you know, against yeah. ethanol or biofuels or whatever. Yes. And he's yes. telling us about the fight and the, you know, well, here, you know, he's up on Washington pounding the pavement and the whole bit. Dude, this thing with the, with veterans is very exciting to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, uh, it's like I said, it, 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 it's become, it has become, and you know what? I think we're just recognizing that it has become a community. Mm. All right. The number mm-hmm. of veterans employed in the biofuels industry, three times the national average. I, that, that, uh, it, you know, on a percentage basis, I think mm-hmm. that th- it has become a community that that service members yep. uh, can can relate to, and they can, can they can find support by groups like uh, we talked about with Jeff. So it's very very cool, very cool. All right, thank you so much for listening this morning, this afternoon. Davis and I are going to have the details of the crop production and the supply and demand reports for you. And tomorrow morning, you know what it is. It's Friday. Wiesmeyer's going to be here. Michelson's going to be here. And we're going to have a free-for-all right here on Agritalk.